Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Hello, everyone, and welcome to a very special Money Money Ding Dong episode of Finsider Radio, a.k.a. the Jake and Josh Show. But before we get into the Jason Sanders mega five-year extension, let me remind you, if you like what you're listening to, please subscribe to the podcast, leave us a five-star review, and be sure to turn those notifications on. Now, without further ado, I am Josh. Let me introduce you to the greatest co-host in the entire universe, the one, the only, Jake Mendel. How are you doing today, Jake? Josh, did we start the show with the money, money, ding dong? Is, is that what I heard? Is that spot on? We did. I mean, I, I, I felt like it was uh, completely necessary with what we're getting ready to talk about. Oh, I love it. I love it so much. Man, I'm, I'm doing good. I have to admit, you know, we're both in the Northeast. We both deal with a lot of snow. And I have to admit, and I'm going to wear this with a badge of honor, I took my first spill today. I, I was leaving a high school after covering a game, and, and luckily uh, I was one of the last people to leave after interviewing coaches. And uh, icy driveways, man. I did I did the good old – it's like Charlie Brown going for a, a kick of a, a football, but there's no football. There's nobody. It's just you kind of looking goofy. Luckily, I kind of am used to falling. That's something you do when you live somewhere that has a lot of ice. So embraced that. No injuries, no problems. More of a laugh at ourselves moment. But, man, I got to tell you. We all follow people on Twitter, breaking news. Uh, we all have alerts for certain people on our team, whether it's Woj bombs. Uh, today was a Shefty bomb. Today, you know, I'm just kind of doing my thing. I see a notification from Twitter. Adam Schefter and they're not thinking too, too much. And boom, there it is. Money, money, ding dong. Jason Sal- Sanders gets the five-year deal. I mean, that was pretty cool to see. Yeah, Jake, and this was just a massive deal. I mean, the $22 million extension is the most that a kicker has seen in the NFL. It's guaranteed money is only third to Justin Tucker, who's getting $12.5 million, and Jake Elliott, $10.45 million guaranteed. So, again, this is a massive contract. And, I mean, let's be honest, Jason Sanders has been one of the most consistent players on this Miami Dolphins team. He's 25 years old, and you can sit here and be up in arms because the Dolphins, you know, just gave a kicker a pretty big, lucrative contract. But at the end of the day, I mean, this is a guy that has been consistent. And let's be honest, they probably don't win 10 games in 2020 without Jason Sanders. Yeah, you know, I had to write a couple articles throughout the year just – I think he won it three times this year, the AFC Offensive Special Teams Player Special Teams Player of the Week or something. Or, and I think he even got it for a couple Special Teams Player of the Month awards. I think he actually got two because I just remember writing him up. It's like, here's his third, here's his fourth. And, you know, Josh, one of the biggest gripes I had with the Dolphins in, in 2020 was the lack of urgency on fourth down to really try to go for it, especially when you're in the red zone, especially when you're inside that 35-yard line where you really need seven points. And I think we can both agree the the biggest issue with this Dolphins team isn't the 20-20. to 20, It's inside the 20-yard line is when they really struggle, when they really, you know, try and try and try and try. Boom, it's fourth down and they have no more tries. But they can't find the end zone. And I just wonder that having someone like Sanders, who is so money, 
pun, no pun intended, whatever, whatever right you decide to choose on that one, kind of took the Dolphins and steered them in a different direction. Because when you're talking about Jason Sanders, when you're talking about the Miami Dolphins special teams unit, it's no longer we're taking our offense in the off the field for the hopes of scoring three points. It's taking our offense off the field because we know we're going to score three points. Absolutely. And I mean, it almost seemed at times that the Dolphins were just, you know, playing a little bit conservative because they realized that Jason Sanders could go out there and just absolutely drill the kick. He is the Miami Dolphin, the franchise all-time career leader in field goal percentage with 86.5%. He has converted 77 of 89 attempts. And we know he had 36 field goals in 2020, which was second in the NFL and second in Dolphins history. So again, I mean, we can see here, we can talk about Pete Stoyanovich, we can talk about Alindo Mari, Dan Carpenter, Parkey, you know, th- those are some of the most recent guys. But I mean, Jason Sanders has to be talked about as one of the best kickers, if not the best kicker in Dolphins franchise history. And it's crazy to say because, again, I mean, he's 25 years old and we're sitting here talking about a a kicker and, you know, we're saying all these high things about him. And I think that he's absolutely has to be in that discussion as one of the best kickers in franchise history. And again, now he's getting paid like it and he just needs to go out there and continue to be consistent because I think that was probably the best thing about Sanders. You know, I think he drilled, what, 21 straight last year broke a franchise record, but I remember listening to him during his press conference saying, you know, he approaches a 56-yarder the same way he does a 22-yarder, and he just goes out there and does his thing, and I mean, we've seen the consistency, and it's, again, why he's getting paid top money at the kicker position. You know, I guess we have to say we really hope that that 36 field goals made in 2020, we, in theory, want to see that go down next year. It's such a unique position because uh, for the Dolphins, they, they obviously had the vision of seeing Jason Sanders on this team long term, and, and I certainly agree with them, even for how good Parkey was at times, even as good as Dan Carpenter was at times. This flat-out consistency with Sanders has been absolutely awesome. But, Josh, what I think is really interesting is, uh, you know, when I when I was in co- oh god I'm I'm going down this road and I feel old but I'm gonna do it when I was in college I felt like I was really 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 in tune with everything that was kind of going around not only in, in the in Miami world but in terms of the entire NFL and Darren Rizzi was one of the guys in terms of special teams coordinators that was always top notch and no matter what how good or how bad the Dolphins were their special teams unit was always right there. But all of a sudden, you know, we thought Rizzi was was a cornerstone and he was a great coach and he's been a great coach. I think he's in New Orleans right now. But, I mean, I just think it's pretty interesting to see that Miami's special teams has not only been on par but a little better than than all these years where the Miami Dolphins had a a face, a very dramatic, a very excited, a very emotional face in Darren Rizzi on the sidelines. But that that guy that guy's gone, and here's this unit that, despite Rizzy being out of the picture, we have Jason Sanders being an elite level kicker. We have Jakeem Grant returning kicks. We have the Dolphins having all these trick plays on special teams, and it's kind of refreshing to kind of sit here and and after years of Darren Rizzy being the guy that hey, the Dolphins found a, a successful uh, situation without him in the mix. I mean, I think, you know, again, we're talking about a kicker position and maybe it's being laughed out, you know, around the NFL. But, uh, I mean, we sit here and he got Pro Bowl snubbed, right? I mean, this guy didn't even make the Pro Bowl. That's how, um, you know, <laughs> how unpopular he was from other fan bases. All pro this year. I mean, he, he's doing everything you can ask of him. And, again, we're sitting here talking about a kicker like, you know, the Dolphins just developed a franchise quarterback. But, you know, in a sense, it, again, special teams is very important. And we saw whether it be critical onside kicks throughout Jason Sanders' career or even catching touchdown passes. 
passes for Matt Hawk. I mean, he's done a little bit of everything, and, you know, it's just nice to see the Dolphins have these young players who continue to get better and are ascending and them just rewarding them for their hard work. And, you know, again, we can say here, and I can say, continue to go back and say, you know, it's just a kicker position, but it speaks volumes of just how far along Jason Sanders has come since joining the Dolphins. On the top of your head, when's the last time the Dolphins gave out a five-year contract? I was going to say Mike Wallace. Wasn't that a five-year deal? That was the first one I could think of. That's exactly where I went to. to, Because you made a great point there about the ascending talent. I think Ryan Tannehill, he he might have been a five. I think he was four for some reason off the top of my head. Uh, This isn't something we have in our show show notes, but something I think that's worth talking about. I mean, a five-year deal for a Miami Dolphin. I mean, switch that in any direction you want. That is a huge, huge deal for the Miami Dolphins that you have these guys that you can lock up long-term. Xavier Howard, was he maybe five years? I don't know. But the fact we both went to Mike Wallace is pretty great, and the fact we can't really list them off our head kind of shows how uh, rare it is for the Dolphins to kind of put this uh, team building to use and keep some talent here in, in South Florida, or there in South Florida, I guess. Yeah, and I mean, uh, we're talking about Jason Sanders. I, I looked it up. Matt Hawk, he's a free agent this year. So, I mean, this is just the start of what the Dolphins are going to do. I just brought up a punter, but we know they have a lot of important decisions before free agency begins. Um, I think Jason Sanders is probably just the beginning of some of those long-term extensions. Now that we talked about Jason Sanders and that big money-money ding-dong contract, let's hear from our ads, and then we'll jump in to the rest of the news around the league. This is Advertiser Content, brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hit Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. And you know, Josh, since we had to admit it to Stu over our break here, I mean, you, you're spot on here. Why didn't the Dolphins use Sanders as a wide receiver more in 2020? We know we saw him catch that touchdown two years ago. And, and with that, Josh, this is what I wanted to lead the show with. I wanted to go a little crazy. I wanted to go get those views up. I wanted to go for the clickbait. And I wanted to be the first one to say that I want the Miami Dolphins to sign a member of the New York Jets. What? The crazy, the, the what they go, 2-14 and 14 New York Jets? Josh, yeah. Help we us. sat here. We're ranting about Allen Robinson. We're ranting about the the different directions the Miami Dolphins can go. But all of a sudden, it's coming out that Jamison Crowder might be a cap casualty in New York. And Josh, there was, you know, call me the, the, you know, kid in a candy store. But he's one of those guys, too, that I instantly went on the list that I thought he'd make a great wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Yeah, and I mean, it's it's funny we're sitting here and we're saying he makes a great wide receiver for the Miami Dolphins. Because let's be honest, I mean, there's not... 
many receivers that could become available that, you know, couldn't help this team in some way or another. Uh, you talked about Jason Sanders and I joked about him being a receiver, but does he have better hands than Jakeem Grant? I mean, that's a real question that we got to <laughs> eventually bring out, but all jokes aside, I mean, Jamison Crowder is exactly what the Dolphins could use uh, throughout his career. I believe he's been in the league for five or six years, 358 catches, 4,160 yards and 26 touchdowns. Again, he's that slot receiver. He can do things on the outside. He can pretty much line up anywhere, and he shows that he has the ability to make those plays and, you know, as cliche as it sounds, create separation, do the things that a lot of these Dolphin receivers on the current roster simply cannot do. So is he going to be a cap casualty? I mean, $10 million is a lot of money to pay a 27-year-old wide receiver, you know, when you're not certain who the quarterback of the future is. You know, you just brought in a new head coach. So, uh, you know, there's going to be some ups and downs there as far as a rebuild's concerned. So um, if Jamison Crowder becomes available, I mean, that immediately shoots up to the top of that that list for the Dolphins. And, you know, this is a loaded free agency class. Uh, we just don't know how involved some of these teams are going to be with the way the salary cap is this year and you know with the uncertainty surrounding you know next season so uh, do these teams approach free agency as you know a little bit hesitant than we've seen in years past I truly don't know but uh, again Jamison Crowder adding him to this receiving corpus that that would pay dividends for Tua Tungvaluwa. I have to say Josh I'm a little offended if you don't think a 27 year old wide receiver isn't worth 10 million dollars what are the 26 year old blogger worth to you this is outrageous I feel old but, but Josh, I got to say, I mean, it, it's kind of a weird situation because Barry Jackson released an article today talking about potential wide receiver cap casualties, who the Miami Dolphins might be looking at. Brandon Cooks was another name brought out. I thought that was a very, very interesting name to put into the fold, too. He, he only gets moved for a first-round pick, though. Isn't that the way he works? He only gets traded <laughs> if it's for a first-round pick. That's so true. I mean... I think, yeah, he was traded, I think, twice, maybe even three times that involved the first-round pick. So I, that's just kind of crazy how that stuff works out. But, but Josh, the way I look at this, it's kind of a tough situation because the one thing that we're preaching that we love about what the Dolphins are doing is flexibility, right? Deshaun Watson becomes available. We have the flexibility to go get him. You know, Mike – or. <laughs> Allen Robinson, he's a free agent. The Dolphins have enough to go get him. Hey, the Dolphins, you 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 need a left tackle? It's all right. We'll blow up your franchise. We have the flexibility to do that. Uh, Josh, how do you attack an offseason like this where the Dolphins are going to have about 30 mil in cap space, probably less than that, probably 25 mil-ish? You obviously are going to draft wide receivers, whether it's in the top 10, in the first round, second round. The Dolphins are going to add one or two wide receivers in the draft. Uh, free agency is going to offer more opportunities, but the Dolphins don't have the wiggle room they had last year in terms of cap space. So how would you approach this when you look at guys that could be cut, whether it's Brandon Cooks, or Jameson Crowder, you see guys out there like an Allen Robinson, Chris Godwin might be out there if he doesn't get franchise tag. Do you go aggressive at those first free agents? Do you wait for after the draft? Do you wait until OTA start and a couple guys maybe are on the chopping block? How do you really utilize your resources where you can maintain that flexibility while continuing to develop a roster as this team looks to push for the playoffs in 2021? You know, that's a great question. I think the the biggest example or the one that sticks out most is last year when the Dolphins, if you remember, they signed Jordan Howard. And then I believe uh, a few weeks later, Todd Gurley became available. And I remember there were some other instances, whether it be, you know, uh, Melvin Gordon or some of these other backs. Mm -hmm. But the point was the Dolphins jumped the gun and maybe they thought Jordan Howard was going to be something that he wasn't. But they went out there and they gave him a, a pretty nice contract compared to some of those other free agents. And then you saw some of these better options, at least in my opinion, become available. So I think the Dolphins got to sit back and kind of, you know, take this as a uh, be a little bit cautious in the way 
they approach this thing. I mean, if they're going after a, a Chris Godwin or a Juju Smith or, you know, some of these other guys that could be free agents, I mean, those guys, you know what you're getting, at least for, for the most part. I mean, sure, Juju Smith might not be the same as he was up there in Pittsburgh, but, he, again, you know what type of talent he is. You know what type of talent Chris Godwin is. I mean, he's one of the best receivers in football. So if they're going after one of those high-name guys, I mean, yes, you go out there and you got to be aggressive and you got to outbid some of those other teams, but you mentioned it. The cap isn't the same as it was last year. And, yes, there's a lot of flexibility, and I kind of want to get into that. I know we're talking about free agents, but, but Jake, uh, I, I think – correct me if I'm wrong. Albert Wilson's deal has been restructured this year, and I think he's making somewhere around two or three million dollars, opposed mm-hmm. to that eight million I think he was supposed to make last year. So the Dolphins have Albert Wilson, who I mean, I sat here and said 27 was uh, old for a rebuilding <laughs> franchise, but Albert Wilson's 27 years old, and you know they just signed Alan Hearns, which you know I don't know how you feel about Alan Hearns, but this coaching. St- staff is the one that gave him that extension so they had to have some kind of you know a feeling about him so you know as pitiful as the Dolphins receiving course was last year to an extent why are fans or, or why are people sitting here and trying to cut an Albert Wilson who you know brings that skill set right. that these Dolphins receiving core completely lacks when he's only making three million dollars so so explain that to me explain to me I guess if you had to decide between Albert Wilson and Alan Hearns you know kind of give me your reasoning as to why you would keep one over the other I'm going to kind of take this uh, kind of the same direction while, while still going down a rabbit hole a little bit. So so pull me out if you feel, uh, you know, I'm going too deep. Uh, I think an issue a you, lot of... You did not just say that. <laughs> uh, Josh, the, the one thing I see is that people look at the salary cap like it's their own money, that they're spending... million of their own money money to put together this football team. And that just really isn't the case. And and on top of that, this salary cap can use a lot of massaging in terms of you can mold it a lot of different ways. I actually heard a different podcast reference that uh, it was actually the Ringer NFL show mentioned uh, the ways you can really adjust the the salary cap. So when you're looking at a guy like Jamison Crowder that we just mentioned, who could potentially get cut for $10 million, and then you have someone like Albert Wilson who all of a sudden has a whole summer, a whole year to get healthy. Someone like Alan Hearns, a whole year to get healthy. I mean, you really need to be excited about that, and you need to think long and hard. After someone like Wilson restructures their contract, they're only going to cost $3 million, quote-unquote only, of course. Uh, But I don't know why people are so fast to try to cut either of those guys because I think they both fit what the Miami Dolphins are trying to do. We said it on the show where we think we're pretty confident the Dolphins are going to need uh, you know, five or six serviceable wide receivers to really reach the strengths of their offense. You know, people are used to, you know, you need a first, the second wide receiver, and then you need a slot guy. The Dolphins need are, are going to need to play a lot of four wide to really be successful in what Tua Tagovailoa is capable of doing if he's, of course, the starting quarterback next year. And you look at someone like Alan Hearns. I mean, he could he can play the slot, but I like him as one of those bigger bodies on the outside. Uh, in Barry Jackson's article, I thought he made an interesting note saying, I, I believe he said that Preston Williams was 100% healthy or is going to be 100% healthy relatively soon in that story. Uh, I apologize for misquoting him a little bit, but he, he does note that Preston Williams' health as of right now is their concern. So you have guys like Parker and you have guys like Williams, two guys who, who don't stay healthy. It is what it is. Football's a tough sport. You shouldn't see that as a negative thing, but you do need four or five guys. So... If I had to choose one between a Preston Williams, or excuse me, an Alan Hearns and an Albert Wilson, um, I would probably choose Hearns uh, just because I think he can be more consistent. I think he's a more uh, complete wide receiver, and that's no just 
disrespect to Wilson because he is one of the most uh, he has one of the best quick hit twitches you know I've seen in the National Football League. He can take a three yard loss and turn it into an eighty yard touchdown with a snap of a finger. But long story, not as long. I just don't get why everyone's so willing to be uh, I don't know. Slicing and dicing the salary cap when the Dolphins have a decent amount of cap space still available, you can adjust things. And there's still the point of there's an Xavier Howard issue we need to bring up. So there's there's a lot of things that need to happen with this cap space, and I, I just don't feel comfortable or don't feel ready to start slicing off people left and right when we don't even know what's even going to be available or who's going to want to come to Miami. Yada yada yada. Yeah, and I think the craziest thing, at least to me, was I believe, you know, the number that was even coming out, you know, after they made all these cuts was so, like, minimal that I don't even know what they would have accomplished. Really. Yeah, six or nine million. It's like, okay, uh, whatever. But to, to, to your point, and you brought up a great point to Alan Hearns, I'm going to be twofold. I'm going to say, you know, Albert Wilson, I, I, I maybe it's just, you know, the Dolphin fan of me that, you know, we just haven't experienced that many happy moments, but I just cannot get that moment in that uh, Raiders game, you know, where him and Jakeem Grant were high-fiving down the field, or, you know, when he took over that Chicago game. I mean, Albert Wilson, like you said, was, you know, when he's healthy and when, you know, he's in an offense, and, I mean, he caught 43 passes in 2019, you know. He almost doubled his his catches from the year prior, but, again, he got hurt and the health was there. But I I just cannot – uh, I would just love to see, like you said, he, he sat out last year because of COVID, because he was a new father. Everyone, you know, you got to respect that. But now he's coming back three million. You know, again, he fits the skill set the Dolphins could use a receiver. And he's coming off, you know, one of his more productive years, you know, when he was healthy. I still think there's no reason to cut ties now. And I think Albert Wilson in that offense with the Tua Tungvalu with Devontae Parker. You mentioned Preston Williams. I mean, at this point, Jay, can we even really count on Preston Williams? I mean, I loved mm-hmm. what we saw to Preston Williams when he's healthy. I mean, I came on here and I said that I believed he had the potential to be a number one wide receiver. And you saw it in that Arizona game. I mean, the offense entirely looked different that game because of what Preston Williams and, and Tua were accomplishing, you know, with the chemistry. But I'm at the point where, you know, you can't rely on him. I don't know that you can truly rely on an Albert Wilson. But again, I don't see why you would cut either of them because you're really only getting pennies back. And for a team who has, you know, such a need at the skill position players, why not keep these guys around who we've seen, you know, in the past and Albert Wilson completely take a game over. We've seen in the past Preston Williams be completely uncoverable. I mean, that is what you want to see moving forward. Why not give those guys one last chance to prove their worth, like we've seen with Jakeem Grant? Because this team's been hanging on to Jakeem Grant, you know, for a long time. I'd much mm-hmm. rather cut ties with Jakeem Grant than an Albert Wilson at this point. Yeah, and Barry Jackson also brought up that uh, Grant could be kept because of his uh, return abilities, but we saw Noah Igbenogany do a little bit of that last year, and and uh, it's a very open competition, it seems like, there, and it'll be interesting to see what direction the Dolphins uh, want to go into. Josh, I think a, a strong way to wrap up the show here is um, obviously more quarterback talk, and we all love music here, all two of us, and there's uh, J. Cole. I'm sure you know who that is. I don't think you're too, too old. Um, he has a line where he says... Um, you are inspired by the world. Let the world be inspired by you. And for that, this is my long-winded way of saying I was watching ESPN today. Because <laughs> I know some people, when you mention ESPN, they're like, oh, that garbage. I haven't watched that crap in years, yada, yada, yada. But I will be the first to tell you that when your team's on ESPN, when your team leads uh, Monday morning following a, a big day, there is no better feeling. And, and anybody who tells you otherwise is absolutely lying. But they brought up today, they were doing a segment on uh, Get Up this morning. It was five things you would like to see happen this offseason. And it was Marcus Spears who did the list. And his number one thing 
was Deshaun Watson to the Miami Dolphins. And on there was also Jeff Darlington, who said, uh, the biggest question is what the Miami Dolphins want to do. It is interesting that they have not said that they are not in the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. That was Darlington's big takeaway. Jeff Darlington, one of the best, best, best NFL reporters you will ever follow. He started here in Miami, so there's a little bit of bias. And, and Jeff Saturday added that Watson makes Miami a three-game, or adds a three-game swing to the Miami Dolphins, a.k.a. they're going to win three more games just based on his ridiculousness and loan his talent. Uh, and they'd be competing with the Chiefs for the AFC title, and they'd be competing the Bills for the division. And I just have to tell you, man, that all that made me really excited to hear about that hope, that potential. And, Josh, if the Dolphins were to go down this rabbit hole, it all comes into drafting. You're no longer looking at your first and second round picks that would likely be used, whether it's this year and next year, yada, yada, yada. But you really would need to hit on those third round picks, those fourth round picks. And it's it's important to keep in mind the comparison that first and second round players, I mean, you're projecting, you're hoping at least, unless, you know, you're a Miami Dolphins draft pick, uh, that, that they're going to play, you know, eight to ten years in the NFL. And that slices and dices so much lower when you get to the third and the fourth round when you're looking for those diamonds in the rough uh you know the the guys who are going to come out of nowhere like the Andrew Van Ginkles and I wanted to bring up Miami's two last drafts and just kind of talk about it here for a minute because that 2019 Miami Dolphins draft kind of looks like a struggle bust by the day uh Christian Wilkins in the first round it's safe to say he's been solid he's been a decent acquisition there uh definitely you can tell when he's on the field when he isn't for the Miami Dolphins second round pick gave it up for Josh Rosen Third round, Michael Dieter. Fifth round, Andrew Van Ginkle. He's been awesome. Uh, no no need to go into that. Isaiah Prince in the sixth, Chandler Cox, and Miles Gaskin in the seventh. Gaskin and Cox are still playing, but Josh, this is an issue where if the Dolphins go after Watson, how much trust can we have that, that they're going to continue to hit on these second or third rounders? And of course, this also hinges on the fact that we need Robert Hunt to improve, Raquan Davis to continue to trend in the right direction, Brandon Jones, another one, Kinley. I mean, I can keep going and going and instead of just listing names. It's just more of the fact that can they continue to find these guys? Is that sustainable? I don't know if it is sustainable, but I do think that, you know, what we've seen from Chris Greer in the past, you know, I do think that he's hit on some of those, you know, those mid-round picks compared to, you know, some of those day one guys like a Charles Harris or some of those other guys that never quite panned out. But I think the thing here is, Jake, you know, we can sit here and we can talk about Tua Tagovailoa, and I think it came to me during the Saints' first playoff game, I believe they won. I said, you know, that is what the Dolphins have to do. They need to build around Tua Tagovailoa. They got to build that offense around him in the same way that the Saints have for, what, two decades there. It has not been two decades, but you know what I mean. But the point is, you know, yeah, it really does. But, you know, for as awesome as that sounds, you know, as soon as you said it, you know, you turn on ESPN and they're sitting there talking about what Deshaun Watson does to the Miami Dolphins. You know, what a 25-year-old, and I'm going to keep saying it, elite top five quarterback would do to the Miami Dolphins. You said Marcus Spears said that would give you a three-game swing. And then immediately, again, the, the Dolphins, you know, for... You know, some people might say they competed against the Kansas City Chiefs this year, you know, with mm-hmm. what they had. Could you imagine what they would do with Deshaun Watson? But I think to your point is, can they build a team around uh, the around Deshaun Watson? I think it goes back to what we said in an earlier podcast. You know, he brings you that superstar effect. He brings you what, you know, I don't like basketball. I don't really care about it. But, you know, what LeBron James did when he came to the Miami Heat or, you know, they just bring that superstar team around. And what Mike Vick thought he was doing when he went to the Philadelphia Eagles, I think he <laughs> called them a dream team. And they completely fell apart. But you that know, was, Sean, uh, no, that was Vince Young. Was it Vince? Oh, Young? It was the, it was Vince Young? You're right. Yeah, it, it was Vince Young. But he called him a dream team, and and they completely fell apart. But fell apart. But the point is, you know, those players.
players want to play with these guys. And if the Dolphins were to get Deshaun Watson, you know, would they be able to hit on those draft picks? I don't know. I mean, that's a coin flip. I think that can be said for with every, you know, all 32 NFL teams. I think, you know, we look at the draft and we sit here and we value these picks and we value, like you said, this money like it's ours. But let's be honest, you know, these NFL teams aren't hitting on all these draft picks. And it really is a, a crapshoot. So to think that you could sit there and turn that all into Deshaun Watson to build that that elite team that can compete with the Kansas City Chiefs, I'm interested to see if that happens. But, um, you know, it's it's a good point that you said that the Dolphins have not not said that they're not interested because I think, you know, we already see what's happening with Tua Tonovaloa. I think that if they were to come out and say that, you know, who knows what could happen. That could cause a whole other array of problems with the Miami Dolphins. And it's just worth bringing up because the, the QB carousel, I mean, it just gets a little wackier by the day. There's, there's Russell Wilson, angry rumors. Uh, we had the Aaron Rodgers stuff. Carson Wentz is going to be on the move. We already saw Matthew Stafford get dealt. So I really don't even know at this point. But I just think it's uh, worth bringing up because it's going to happen before the draft. Uh, there's going to be a lot of moving parts really quickly happening here. And that's why I kind of want to keep talking about them. Just so when we know things start to happen, we can kind of try to get in front of the do- other dominoes before they start to fall. Yeah, and you know, right before we get off, let's just quick talk about the elephant in the room and kind of one of those, you know, th- this is, let's be honest, a superstar player that got released from the Houston Texans. I don't think it really surprised anybody, but J.J. Watt is now a free agent. And Jake, you know, the question has been asked, we've seen it on Twitter, you know, tell me, would you have interest in signing, I believe, what, 31-year-old J.J. Watt? Oh, I think you'd have to. I mean, I think he's still a, an outstanding player, even if you want to put him as a rotational player. Um, I, I think he can really help any offense, but yes offense uh, maybe he'll catch a couple touchdowns as a tight end I, I think he's done it before uh, but but no back on track here uh, I, I think he'd be a, a great asset to the team but you know you kind of look at what's happening in Pittsburgh you tell me he doesn't want to go to Pittsburgh and play with both of his brothers I know Cleveland all of a sudden is a team coming out there um, Wisconsin kid you wonder if he's gonna go uh, join Green Bay who knows? Who knows? But I, I just think the Dolphins are so far on that list where, where there's really no way to link him to Miami through coaches or family or whatever. I just have a hard time seeing it happening. Yeah, I'm going to make a joke. But I mean, there's probably 31 teams, let's be honest, that are interested in J.J. Watt. But you're already naming off the teams that have interest in his service. And again, for the Miami Dolphins, a team who, you know, is younger, is kind of rebuilding. I mean, I don't know that they can sit there and, and, and bid and, and offer some of those same things that you said, like Green Bay or Pittsburgh playing with his brother. And the, the point remains, you know, bringing him down here and Brian Flores' defense, watching him move around in that front. I mean, it'd be exciting to see. And, you know, you can't even begin to say how much that would mean for some of these younger guys being able to play around a guy like J.J. Watt. To me, the thing is, how much is he going to get paid? I keep going back to when Cam Wake was a free agent. The Tennessee Titans gave him a three-year, $23 million deal, and that was when he was 36 or 37. So could you imagine what J.J. Watt would make right now? I mean, it would be, you know, it, it would have to rival that. And I think the Dolphins at that point would be, you know, they, they would take a step back and graciously bow out and, you know, go on with what they currently have. Exactly, and that's that's the thing that I think is so interesting, and it's becoming, I don't know if popular is the right word, but but players realize their value more and more, and this Watt situation asking for his release. I think he was going to get released either way. Uh, I think the Houston Texans made a huge mistake by not trading him in the middle of the season. Uh, but, but we're going to see more things like this, whether it's cap casualties, quote-unquote, or just players, I'm sick of playing here, I want to go elsewhere. We're already seeing players interested in coming to Miami. We're hearing about the leadership, potential coach of the year candidate, Brian Flores. I mean, it's all coming together. And J.J. Watt, it's worth asking this about every guy who is rumored to be cut or is going to be cut. 
are they a fit for the Miami Dolphins? Because all of a sudden, Josh, we're going to have to start asking ourselves, are the Dolphins on the clock? Do they really need to start, you know, going for those home run balls and, and competing for a playoff spot? When are the Dolphins officially on the clock is what we're going to have to start asking ourselves sooner rather than later. Yeah, and another thing we have to ask ourselves is, could you imagine if the Dolphins drafted T.J. Watt like they should have? J.J. Watt would be coming to Miami now to play with his brother, but instead, uh, Charles Harris. Charles, ah, man, what a, what a you know. <laughs> we, always, it, we always end the podcast in the worst uh, way, so I figured I, figured I had to. Uh, we, we just ran the train around the tracks, but, we, you know, and, and it's so bad because we know exactly what the Dolphins did with drafting Charles Harris. It was, you're on the clock, you don't know who to take, and so it's like it's like doing a Madden simulated draft for your franchise team. I have no defensive ends. I'm just going to take the first one on on whatever they have their ranking. And and they're uh, it's, it's Charles Harris, and and here we are. Uh, he should have actually just finished his four year rookie deal. Should he have not? Yeah, was he is he still in Atlanta? I think what honestly the Dolphins saw was like a YouTube highlight video of him just doing spin moves, and that was it. And they felt like they needed that guy in Miami. You know, I'm ready for the Dolphins to get their next cornerstone at both quarterback and defensive end. And uh, no disrespect in this either way, but I'm just kind of getting sick of the uh, Marino comparisons and also asking Marino about the current quarterbacks because he's always gives the same, you know, you know, I like what they see. It's all about the growth, yada, yada, yada. And same with uh, is, is Charles Harris. Is that spin move? Do we have Jason Taylor coming back? I mean, it, it's it's those two comparisons that at least for your for uh, my generation, the 26 year old Dolphin fan, I, we hear way too much and we need good players. So they stop happening. Couldn't have, could not have said it better myself, Jake. And I think that wraps up this podcast. For the Jake and Josh Show, part of SB Nation's The Finsider, I am Josh Houts. That's Jake Mendel. We'll talk to you next time. That was up, Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, cause we're the Miami Dolphins. Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number one. Yes, we're the Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins, Miami Dolphins number